This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast, the down on the docks on the other side of the tracks. Die bar style podcast of and about and surrounding the Seattle Mariners that you are listening to on the Odyssey app or hey, wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. Listen, I'm not going to judge as long as you're liking, subscribing, and doing all those good things. And those feelings go for YouTube as well. And hey, if you haven't said hello yet, hit us up on the socials. Or if you have something strongly worded to say, hit us up at rye bread and mustard podcast at gmail.com. And look, maybe you listen to the show and you're like, I'm all right. I check in once in a while. But yo, those sweatshirts and those shirts and those koozies and those barbecue aprons look amazing where do i get them well you go to at simply.cora on instagram or at etsy that's at simply.cora all right that's enough of the house cleaning for this episode and on today's episode we are going to be talking you know briefly a little bit about felix hernandez weekend what went down if you're looking for more felix hernandez content make sure to just scroll down on the episodes it's the episode before this we did a happy felix day retrospect episode hanno and hanno and myself uh do about 45 minutes of just talking some felix hernandez memories feelings we just uh you know reminisce look up some stats pull some clips and you know it's just a good old happy felix kind of thing uh go ahead and check that out we just briefly a little bit talk about that today and of course we talk about the series that just ended with the baltimore orioles and of course taking a quick look at the kansas city royals and then giving you a sneak peek at the end of this episode at our conversation with mariner legend brett boone that's right we got an episode dropping here very very shortly we're giving you a little sneak peek of what we're talking about and just a little disclaimer about this episode my audio is coming through my macbook uh had a little bit of an issue with the sure mic wasn't working anyways bunch of microphone nerd stuff just wasn't working but we got to get this episode out so i just threw on the earbuds and uh use the computer in my living room uh, but hano sounds 
crystal clear as always up there in Edmonds. Look, it's not a long episode. It's not that bad. I'm just giving you a little disclaimer. Anyways, I'm going to shut the hell up, not talk down this episode anymore. So you still want to listen to the next episode of Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariner's podcast that's about to start. How about right now? Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariner's podcast. We have the one and only Mr. Tom Hutler. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. Thank you for having me. There was one time I came out of a watering hole in West Seattle. I mean, somebody came, and this guy had been overserved. I came out of the restaurant. And he goes, you're the, you're the Mariner guy? I go, yeah. And he goes, could you do Ken Griffey Jr.? And I said, okay. So I did it. And he goes, you're a great man. <laughs> I love it. Listen and subscribe to Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariner's podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. What's going on, Hannah? I'm doing good. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I know it's kind of kind of a bummer that we uh, lost the series, but you know it was a hard fight. I don't think they didn't play hard. Series a little disappointing. Kind of a little bit maybe brings up a little bit of concern. Um, very interesting to stack up against. You know the team that's played the best in the American League this weekend. Yeah, it was a good challenge. Uh, the games were phenomenal as far as baseball fans go. Uh, great uh, blowout victory in game one and a great pitching duel in game two and a lot of drama and amazing great plays down the stretch there. And uh fun series overall, though, and Felix, like you mentioned. Yeah. yeah. In fact, before we get into talking about uh, the Mariners and Orioles, let's let's – Let's talk about the King Felix. We just did a King Felix, uh, Happy Felix Day retrospect on uh, Felix Hernandez last episode. So if you're ever looking to get to more of that Felix Hernandez content after this wild weekend uh, slows down, go back and check out that episode. That was a fun episode. Yeah, it was It was good to uh, reminisce and talk about some things and mentioned uh the big uh, induction of the Mariner Hall of Fame, uh, some more info, you know, they, they brought up during the broadcast. Uh, it was nice to hear and some things that I forgot. I mean, it's hard to believe that I forgot, but it made total sense him making 10 straight opening day starts. I know it was quite a few and uh, I just had slipped my mind. But yeah, really nice ceremony. Uh, all the guys there, uh, former Mariners. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The Mariners always do a nice job. It was pretty moving watching him coming out of the bullpen, even though, hey, that's a place that he didn't really want to ever come out of. Uh, but it was fun to watch him walk out, you know, get emotional, stand right on the mound. Uh, that was not planned. I heard that was his own his own thing that he added there because I listened to him up in the booth. He also had the big surprise <laughs> with uh, uh, Adrian Beltre showing up. Um you had Griffey there. You had Edgar there. You had Marilyn there. You had um, Dan Wilson, Jamie Moyer, Alvin Davis. Basically, what I'm trying to allude to: there was a three Mariner Hall of three Mariner Hall of Fame Mariners that weren't there. Lou Pinella, uh, Randy Johnson, and Jay Buhner. They all did like cameo style, uh, sending their uh, their wishes to Felix. Uh, probably when they were doing their other cameo videos, <laughs> they probably do all the time. Uh, interesting. I mean, I understand Lou Pinella maybe doesn't like to travel as much anymore. Jay Buhner and Randy Johnson. Uh, I mean, Randy Johnson, I feel like just because he's a pitcher, that would have been really, really nice to be there. And it's always great to see Jay. I like seeing all of them together. I mean, it, 
obviously we're selfish as fans. We don't know what's going on in their personal lives. But uh, uh, what was your takeaway with all that, or what, what do you know about that? Yeah, I mean, you're right, probably Lupinella. Uh, Randy doesn't make them all. I don't believe he made the each rows, but I know, and if I'm incorrect in that, I know he's missed some before. And Randy seems to miss a few as well. Uh, I thought I saw something where he was being honored down in Arizona at the same the same day. So that might have been a possibility. Yeah. I don't know if it was exactly that day or what, but um, you know, schedules don't always meet up. But yeah, the, sure. the Felix thing was uh, great to see. I mean, he's very, very genuine and real. Uh, let the motions go. Um, he lets you know who he is. Uh, just a really fantastic uh, um, speech by him. Um, the, my only downfall of the whole thing was I kind of wish old John Stanton wouldn't have talked as long as he did. But uh, it was interesting how they didn't <laughs> even uh, mention mention his uh, or announce him when he was coming up to uh, give his introduction of Felix. Well, yeah, they don't want it right after. Uh... Go ahead. Yeah, they don't want the place to be booing. Oh, <laughs> they, they don't want. They want to get. They want to keep the booze out of there as much as possible. Oh, there was booze. Oh, I'm sure. sure. But yeah, but it would if, have been if, a lot more. Yeah, if they announced it, you know, maybe some of the drunks out in Edgar might have actually heard that. Maybe gave you know gave it more attention, or anybody that's like, hey, maybe they were going to go running up to the bathroom to take a leak, and then they heard coming out to the mound, John Stanton. Maybe they'll just say, hold on a second, make a U-turn you know, let their frustration out. And I wouldn't blame them. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he got announced when they went through, you know, the the Jerry's, the other folks in the organization and mentioned John Stanton by name and John Ellis. But uh, it was a great sleight of hand by the Mariners people right after uh, the Adrian Beltre uh, announcement and they embraced um, how they just slid him in there and just didn't even announce him. Um, and he just started talking. I thought that was a slick move, uh, by the Mariners there. I know. It was great to see Adrian Beltre, but I, and I've, you know, we've seen a lot of them, obviously, because he torched us with the Texas Rangers. That's just always the one that I was, it's always hurt that we just didn't retain him. I know people go, oh, we had Kyle Seeger and he had a good career. And you're like, yeah, but Adrian Beltre was, was a Hall of Famer. <laughs> it's just at the end of the day, it just kind of uh, always bummed me out, but it was always cool watching him and Felix interact. I know they started that when he would play when he played third base here, because when they would throw the ball around the infield after a player strikeout, Adrian Beltre would always put a little something back on it when he'd throw it back to the mound to, to Felix. Yes, no doubt. And then when they, you know, moved on, I've never seen the banter between two opposing players and uh, how they interacted between, uh, you know, each at bat. It was quite original and something I haven't seen before since then. I thought it was funny. One good moment, he was in the booth talking with the uh, with Goldie and Blowers, and uh, Goldie brought up his changeup, and he was like, "Yeah, that's the, that's the pitch that made me rich." So yeah, it's a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, he does. But I think you know another touching uh, moment there was when they had Sophia Robinson, who met Felix through the. Uh, make a wish foundation many years ago come out and reunite with him oh absolutely i mean that's exactly what i mean felix is genuine i mean he was emotional he really appreciated that uh 
friend to his to this day. And, and what a great uh, moment for her to be able to come out and surprise him and uh, for him, him to then uh, embrace her the way he did. You could see the genuine love between the two. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ball game. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball. Did it again and again and again. Did it again. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the kingdom. All right, now let's get back to business here. Mariners just took one of three, meaning they lost the series here with the Baltimore Orioles. But listen, this is the American League leading Baltimore Orioles. And we firsthand have seen this team, the Baltimore Orioles, it seems like get better and better every time we've played them since last year. Every series, it feels like they've taken the jump of who they are. And now you're seeing a team that, you know, they're 36 and 23 at home, 37 and 22 on the road, 73 wins, you know, after this weekend, you know, and you, and you look at the Mariners and you go, yeah, right now that team seems a little bit, a little bit more complete. Uh, but I think this is who they are, the Baltimore Orioles. I still feel like the Mariners have a pretty somewhat of more of a window I'm mean, not a window a ceiling maybe on this year I don't know what was your overall take of this series Hannah um it was really nice that first game to come out and just kind of pound them um yeah kind of surprised to be honest with you I didn't catch it uh live and I caught into it late and um yeah big uh big um some big home runs um just got after it and Pretty much, you know, like I said, pounded them. I know we talked about a couple series ago with this homestand. We were hoping to go. I didn't want anything less than three and two. And when you start out three and oh, you're feeling pretty good. Um, so yeah, after that first game, things were going good and and excited, like uh, like we just talked about to see yeah. the, uh, Felix induction. And then uh, you know, we didn't um finish it off like we wanted to but uh we we can ha we can hang with any team i mean that's pretty evident in the series that was played this weekend yeah i mean you go back to friday you know castillo gives you six gets you one earned run got a little bit up there in the pitch count to start the game uh only goes six but then you know sauce comes in there with a clean inning you have ryan you have thornton you know he gives up a run he gives up a run here in the in in this game which was uh, not a run you'd bat an eye at, but then you see Thornton again pitch on um, Sunday and, uh, you know, gives up the big two-run blast there in the 10th inning. So he's kind of my guy that I'm uh, a little bit concerned about. Yeah, Thornton, uh, I was really excited about him his first outing. He went uh, two and a third, and he was kind of that middle relief guy that can go a few innings, you know, someone that we've kind of missed since Penn Murphy went down and uh, feeling good about him. But – uh you know, he's given up some long balls. I remember he gave up one in uh, Anaheim, he, like you mentioned uh, earlier in the series, and then in game three. So, yeah, it was – that. I mean, we can talk about that. There's a lot of questions to be asked about game three, you know, of pitching decisions, some pinch hitting decisions. I mean, I mean, what was your thought? Would you? I mean, they had also available Sacito, Campbell – and Ryan, the rookie, 
would you have gone with a different choice there? Yeah, I think I would have gone with the the guys that we seem like we've been leaning on more often, uh, like a sauce. Uh, I know he pitched one game, uh, one inning on uh, Friday, but obviously he didn't pitch any innings on uh, Saturday. Uh, I just kind of would have liked to see that. I know the left-handers were coming up after that, so that's what Scott Service was saying. So maybe he was going to come pitch and pitch the inning after. Um, also, also it just seemed like a pretty high leverage situation right there that I would just kind of go with what works, what has been working. But again, they're playing the analytic games. Any feelings I have about it, again, will get defeated by uh, any of the analytics. But I, I just, when Thornton was out there, I was like, okay, but I, I just, Mariners had a chance there in game three, just like they did in game two. I mean, you send somebody out to the mound that has a over eight ERA, you know, that's wild. You'd, you'd hope you could get one. I mean, look at game two. Uh, really sucks. Um, you know, George Kirby goes out there and throws nine innings, makes the last out himself, gets a clean nine innings, gives up no runs, what, three hits, right in front of King, right in front of the King, Felix Hernandez. You know, he approves of it, I'm sure, and then also probably chuckles a little bit that the uh, run support <laughs> – looks about the same too i mean it was an outing fit for the king and some offense unfortunately that was fit for how the mariners would hit for felix hernandez oh yeah i mean these jokes write themselves no doubt um uh, i mean the mariners in games felix has been you know a major part of before the game started dating back to the playoff game the mariners haven't scored much uh so yeah but um you know it's tough when you get three really good pitching performances like you did with the starters only giving up two runs, earned runs, uh, you expect to win a few more. You know, you get 12 hits the first game and and then a total of 10 the next two games. It's disappointing. Yeah. Um, but that's something we've seen from this team this year uh, where the bats go cold. Uh, I mean, like I said, we still hung with Baltimore. I feel like we can play with them. But uh, we seem to have trouble with some pitchers that can spin the ball. I mean, we can hit the fastball pretty good, but uh, guys that are changing speeds and throwing those sliders and curves and throwing them, you know, not in fastball hitting counts or or even behind in the count, Mariners struggle a little bit with it that I've noticed. So it's uh, it, very – I mean, the Kirby thing on Felix and I was very tough. The uh, third game, yeah, the, the pitching decisions was rough, but I mean – I mean, the, the the plays there down the stretch by Mullins robbing him. I mean, and then Canzone just absolutely destroying that ball. Destroying. I mean, I mean, I mean, you could have had a possible tie France Canzone walk off, but that's what happens. And then Mullins comes up in the next inning, you know, just misses a home run on a pitch and then comes back and straightens it out and doesn't miss it and gives them the lead and the win. I mean, tough losses, but the way things have been going for the Mariners, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to try to be a little bit um, glass half full this time. We yeah, don't want any wanna, negativity. You know what? I feel better about this series loss than when the Mariners had that seven and three homestand 
you know, at the end of May and in June, the seven and three homestand that we were like, I don't feel good about this team at all, which kind of sound silly if it, your team was seven out of your last 10, but you had Oakland A sweep in, in there. Um, I, I know that you had the Yankees in there and you, you didn't win that series, but up until this point, look at these teams that we've been playing. We haven't had a bunch of cupcake teams. We've had teams that have been in front of us or are, you know, playoff, possibly playoff bound teams. And, you know, we dropped two of three, but every single one of these games, we either were in the game, had a chance to win the game, or we pounded, right? So there's a lot to feel good about. I mean, look at the starting pitching. I'm starting to really feel even better about the starting pitching. Um, right now, it's really going to be fun to watch what kind of competition just within themselves. I know they say they're competing with each other, but let's just say the Mariners get in here to the playoffs. Like, hey, this is a, you know, this is a tough one, two, three to crack. Um, and, you know, you see Castillo doing his thing. You see uh, Kirby, what he just did. You saw what Logan just did on his last start. And then you also have the, of course, the unexperienced Miller and now Hancock and you, you get Wu back. I know that the Mariners bullpen right now, um, you know, they've done their thing, but maybe you're missing that high leverage guy. You have one less, you know, I would say made man in the high leverage department. Like, like you go Munoz, he's a high leverage guy, right? Brash, he's a high leverage guy. Seawald was a high leverage guy. So you had a, a one, two, three. You know, now you got a one, two with hopefully an emerging three. You know, Sauce kind of looks like he's got a little of that high leverage blood in him. So does Topa. But when you get past those guys, they're, or I should say, they haven't had a lot of high leverage experience compared to, you know, the Brash and obviously Munoz and, and what Seawald said. But I mean, that kind of stuck out to me a, a little bit. Um, here in the last week, you know, you play a team like Baltimore, it kind of shows a little bit more than when you're playing, I don't know, even like a San Diego or, or Anaheim. We're talking about a whole nother level of a better ball playing team that can go out and produce a run when they got it. And, uh, you know, I'm not blaming this on the bullpen. The bullpen is doing a great job. It's just, just something that I, I think we both noticed. Yeah, I mean, anytime you lose Seawald, um, and like we've talked about before, I understand the decision. Um, you know, hopefully you're getting a full-time out of the deal, and that makes sense, and it's closer. But, yeah, I mean, no doubt I thought, you know, it would have it, – it could, it could hurt you um, losing a Seawald. Um, I don't know if that's going to be totally the case, but they seem to not have the confidence with the – you know, some of their, uh, leverage, high leverage guys, but, um, you know, I'll just add sauce and spire to that. I mean, they've gotten thrown fire, in the fire yeah. and, um, they have been thrown in those high leverage situations and they've done really good or pretty good. You know, I mean, I can't complain. And, you know, when, uh, guys get traded and like that guys have to, uh, move up the ladder in the bullpen and, uh, They've done a good job with it. So, yeah, it's tough, especially when you go to late innings. 
I mean, it's a crap shoot. They went back to back late innings. Um, and to have to throw a guy like uh, Thornton out today, sure, it's rough. And and I see your point earlier when you said you might have liked to see Sauce because he's been given that opportunity in these high leverage situations. I mean, it's a tough thing either way with a righty out there. Uh, I mean, they faced a righty, a lefty, and a switch hitter. So if they did bring Sauce out, it would have been the exact same thing. But uh, I understand your point when you said uh, he's had more experience at it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a conundrum and part of being a fan. And, and I follow along with, with, with what you're saying. Yeah, it was an interesting choice, but I also did hear Scott Service say that, hey, well, we scheduled these, or we looked at it like there's pockets of guys that you're, these guys are going to pitch these pockets of guys. So it was just in that rotation right there. It was just, okay. I was just more surprised to see Thornton right there, you know, in extra innings right off the bat I, when our bullpen really hasn't pitched a ton except for Munoz. Um, in this series, and we had days off prior to that, that I just thought maybe, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's what I, I mean, I saw the same interview, and what surprised me is he said that Sauce was up pitching in the ninth, in case Munoz got in trouble, and um, so he was available. Um, he didn't say, you know, he warmed up too much and had to cool down, and or he cooled down and he wasn't available. So, yeah, I mean, also the ejection, that might play into it. You mentioned, like, what Scott said. They, you know, the pockets and they plan this stuff out. So, I mean, I I don't know. It, it's, you know, if it would have worked out, nobody would be talking about it. But uh, it is what it is. But, yeah, um, well, it, it just makes it more sense that – sauce who gets the opportunities in the high leverage situations you would think they would go with him well what it is is uh and i think scott service said it had been nice if they just gave cedric mullins the full day off i mean that guy came in and tilted the game takes back a run from you and then goes up and gets a huge two run blast completely tilts the game got to give this guy credit made a great catch Friday night against Julio too. And then he makes another catch that makes that catch look like a piece of trash. Yeah. If people haven't known about him, I mean, he's an all-star player. Uh, one of the best in the, you know, guys out in center field played on team USA um, in Baltimore. He might not get the publicity that some other guys get, but I mean, he's the real deal. Yeah. I mean, this dude changed the entire game. I mean, uh, we've seen Julio do this earlier in the week. Um, and you know what? Let's also talk about really quickly. Like Julio had a great series. He had a great week. Um, you get this from Julio every week uh, or something like this. It's going to – lots of good things are going to happen. I mean, he has big night Friday night, four RBIs, big home run. It's an RBI today. You know the game that he had uh, defensively. Uh, against San Diego when Logan was pitching was, I would say, the difference maker in that whole game. He's playing well. Um, and, again, we talked about, hey, this is a series that we lost, but there's a lot of good positives, again, starting pitching. Um, a lot of the – most of the bullpen uh, having clean innings. Uh, I guess the one concern, which has always been there, is the lack of offense or just when it can completely be – quiet and it seems to get very 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 contagious 
Oh, no doubt. I mean, we have a full or we have a half of a season to go off of from earlier on in this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and just like they were cold, they got really hot here lately and they can go back cold again. So, yeah, it's a concern. Um, you just hope that, I mean, with any baseball team, that it's not the whole lineup that goes so cold. Maybe a couple guys here and there. And each guy in different guys pick up uh, as they go. But yeah, I mean, after uh, back to back games with, uh, you know, not the clutch hitting as much. And especially uh, on Saturday night after an unbelievable appear, uh, performance by Kirby. Yeah, I mean, it goes back in the in the back of your head and that you uh, remember that this is how it's been at times. But like I said, you know, I mean, they miss J.P. Crawford, too. So that's. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, so, I, I mean, mean, you see how you see how much you miss his uh, at bats, especially in these close games, especially with two games going to the extra innings. You also see a ball that goes over Dylan Moore's head. Made a good attempt for it. Nothing against Dylan Moore, but I just feel like JP snags that ball. Yeah, I mean, especially with these at bats and these close games going to the extra innings, the way JP has been doing, or the way JP has been having at bats all season long, you know, even when he doesn't have anything going on offensively, really, he'll go up there and have a nine, 10, 12 pitch at bat. Sometimes just fighting things off, uh, moving up the pitch count, you know, and he gets on base. He's basically been living on base up until his concussion. Um, you definitely missed that. Yeah. I mean, Dylan Moore really got up for that ball. Uh, JP's got two inches on him. It was a close play. Yeah, he might have came up with that. But I, that one wasn't even the most critical one. And uh, uh, the, in game two, um, ball hit up the middle uh, late in the game. Kirby let it go. Dylan Moore was playing up there. And, uh, you know, uh, he was going to try to make an unassisted double play or not flip it to the second baseman. Um he tried to glove it and he took his eye off of it just for a sec to see where the runner was. And um, because he did that, he did not catch the ball and it ended up being costly. But Dylan Moore, uh, he's a he's been very valuable, like you mentioned. Um, oh, yeah. And, and sure. uh, but yeah, you notice that thing, especially in tight games that happened this weekend when he was involved in a couple plays and the bats went cold. So it is very much more noticeable, no doubt. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like we've pretty much, uh, you know, made an omelet here out of everything that we've seen and felt this weekend. Now we're moving on from it, uh, so let's move on from it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yep, so we're moving on, and the Mariners are moving on. They're headed to Kansas City for four games, then down to Houston. Um, So pretty much (laughs) these next four games in Kansas City, you got to get three of them, four of them. I I feel like this is the time you got to make some hay before you play another tough team because if if you might have the same – you know, outcome in Houston where, you know, you only get one. Maybe you can get them all, but, I mean, you just got to kind of brace for that. Then after that, the Mariners, you know, got some series, a lot of winnable series this month. It's time for the Mariners to, you know, go on a run. I know that their winning streak ended, and they're actually on the verge of a losing streak. They've lost the last two. I'm expecting a big bounce back in Kansas City. Yeah. That's the plan for sure. I mean, Kansas City having another off year. I agree with you. They need to take three of four. It's go time. Um, you mentioned the schedule coming up. There's The Mariners are not the only teams that are going to be seeing uh, a cupcake-like schedule coming up. If you look at some of the other teams, uh, Toronto, who you're chasing, they have a uh, late in this month. Um they have probably even an easier schedule. So uh, you just got to take it uh, one game, one series at a time, but you just got to control your own destiny and uh, keep winning and win series. But against these teams, like you mentioned before, when I said win series, you said we, but we also need to get some sweeps in there. And I agree with that. But yeah, the minimum coming up in Kansas City has got to be three, like you mentioned. Yeah, and, and you got a couple of sweeps here. You, 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 that was part of the recipe. You know, realistically, the two out of threes, the six out of four, the seven out of tens is what the Mariners need to be doing. And you listen, you got Gilbert, you got Hancock, you got Castillo, and you got Kirby going in the series. And when you look at their matchups, they got a guy on the mound with over five ERA, over six ERA, well over six ERA, and a guy almost at an 8.0 ERA. Um, These are winnable games. These are the types of uh, teams you got to beat. They're also they also could be the, the scariest teams too. These are the trap games. So it's that thing of yeah, you've been playing in front of a big house. Prior to that, you were in Anaheim. Prior to that, you're back with the with the big crowds with Toronto. With uh, you know, just going back in July, they they they've played in front of some big crowds. Now you're going to kind of go to these towns where who knows how many people are going to go but you also are playing guys that are you know playing just to get on a roster or get an invite for next year or keep their job yeah i totally agree with that um you know in just a short amount of time the mariners went from around 500 to 10 games over and i believe they're at nine games now um you just want to keep winning and keep you know getting to 13 games over 515 and just um and give yourself a chance. Um, they've been playing well here and uh, faced a, the best team in the AL. And, you know, that's the way it goes. You're not going to win every series. But against these teams that are uh, not as, inf- you know, not not as doesn't don't have the the uh, record that you have. Um, you you got to handle business. Yeah. So we'll be back to talk about that series on Friday and to talk about the Houston Astros. You guys, it was a 
some of the episodes we hate doing the most. We'll be back with that on Friday, but I'm pretty sure we got a special episode that we just uh, we just put together this last week. That was that was pretty fun, pretty special. Why don't you tell everybody about it, Hannah? Yeah, really cool to talk with Brett Boone. Um, really insightful uh, uh, with his answers. Um, learned a lot. Uh, it's really nice to talk to a player and get their perspective in different things. And uh, I hope everybody will enjoy it as much as uh, I did. That's for sure. Yeah. We talked about a lot of fun things. We talked about his very first home run. We talked a little bit about his brother, uh, Aaron Boone. We talked about uh, uh, how many times he was uh, in Lou Pinella's office. Yeah. It was a really fun episode. In fact, you know, I'm feeling pretty generous. Aren't you, Hannah? You feeling generous right now? Oh, I'm always generous. I'm Norwegian. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's, that's for you. That's for you, Grandma Norma. But you know what? I feel like playing just a little, just a little teaser from the episode. Is that all right with you? You're you got the controls, my man. It's, it's but it's okay with me. Thanks for asking. Okay, I'm gonna hit him. Click. Can you maybe share with our audience any times maybe you got called into Lou Pinella's office? Ooh, more times than I want to uh, <laughs> really share. I played for Lou for for parts of uh, no for shoot what did I play? Ninety three was Lou's first year over. I was a rookie, and that's what I remember the most. Lou and myself we did not see eye to eye when I was a kid, and we had many a go around. I got sent down. I think I got sent up. Uh, Set down, brought back up three separate times in 1993 before I, I, I eventually stuck. And uh, then he traded me to the Cincinnati Reds. But <laughs> it went, it was a real, uh, in the beginning, like I said, we did not see eye to eye. We were constantly kind of at each other's throat. And, and I mean, to the point where I get called in his office and we never fought, physically fought, but we came close wow. a few times where, where Lou was just, he was that. He's Lou and yeah. he's got a young kid, a brash young kid and myself who, who I'm just I'm just swinging hard and, and trying to make a name for myself, trying to become a big leaguer. And he was giving me that tough love. And uh, once we got through that and, and the second half of 1993, I, I played well. <laughs> he ended up trading me. Uh, and the press thought it was because Lou and, and me were at odds and we weren't by the end of 93, we were kind of buddies. I mean, he was calling me in on the weekends. We'd bet on football against each other. And so we had a nice relationship when I got traded to the reds. I didn't take it as a, as a, as a negative thing. I, I, I just thought that's business. You know, we got Danny Wilson coming back to, to Seattle that, to replace a Dave Valley who had been there a while and we had a plethora of, of young, talented infielders in the, in the Mariners organization. And the Reds needed, needed a young second baseman. And it was business as usual. I went to Cincinnati, enjoyed my time there. Uh, fast forward, I came back in 2001. And I think Lou was a, a pivotal part in getting me back. And the relationship was completely different the second time around. You know, I was a, a nine-year veteran. And, and Lou had had nine more years of experience. And he, to this day, he, he's one of my favorite, not my, not only my favorite manager, but he's one of my favorite people in life. And I got to spend some time with him at the all-star game. And, and uh, you know, 
that that old 01 crew got back together for just just 20 minutes before we got announced on the field and and it, i i was doing my job i was sitting on the couch with with skip and i was winding him up and then letting him go and he was entertaining the crowd and 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 all the players that were there and it felt like 2000 like you mentioned earlier felt like 2001 again all right so yeah that, the rest of that episode i think we're going to drop that wednesday um uh, possibly well, we'll be dropping that sometime this week or sometime in the very close future. And you know uh, how you know? That's when you like, you subscribe and all that stuff. So you don't have to like go off of what I say here on the episode because it might be wrong. So <laughs> you get those notifications. You'll get it when it's out. You'll get it when it's out. Anyways, uh, yeah, thanks for liking, subscribing and all that stuff. Listen to the Rye Bread and Mustard and Mariners podcast right here on Odyssey or wherever else you're doing that. Go get the gear from at simply.cora. And uh, you know what, Hannah? You know what time it is. Yeah.